Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Joel to talk about Prince of Darkness. This is a 1987 American horror film written and directed by John Carpenter. Um, in this movie, the Prince of Darkness, a group of graduate students and scientists uncover an ancient canister in an abandoned church. But when they open the canister, they inadvertently unleash a strange liquid and an evil force on all humanity. Now, that was the IMDb breakdown. I just realized as I read it, I think there's actually a slight inaccuracy in there, which we can talk about. <laughs> but um, but that that does give you the gist of it, even though, again, I think it's a little bit inaccurate the way that they phrased it. Um, the uh, Yeah, so this is a... Um, I don't think this is one of his big hits, right? Like the, the Prince no, of Darkness. No, bombed, I think. Okay. It's, uh... It's it's beloved now though, right? Like I know a lot of people seem to like it, and I I think a lot of people at least have fond memories of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, people liked it. Some people liked it at the time too. I mean, I, well, that's that's a big John Carpenter thing. I mean, I think They Live was the same way, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I remember, I remember the kids, thing. Like, like I remember, was thing was big on that. Yeah. In my group, this was a this was a well liked movie. So, but but yeah. I usually find my group is a very growing up is a bad metric for, you know, when I go onto Wikipedia and look at what the overall reception was to a film. Same, I also, same here. So, yeah. It, so keep it in mind, audience, yeah. if you, you know, our opinions, you'll probably disagree with us and hate everything we like. It, it was also a, uh, a movie. <laughs> I would think I went a trio I, of antisocial nerds would be unpopular. <laughs> I, I went and I looked at the Siskel and Ebert review because I had never seen it of Prince oh, of Darkness, yeah. and it was also one that they got wrong. They definitely got that movie wrong, um, but they didn't like it. Um, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think I think one of them was a little bit more okay with it than the other, but they both basically didn't. Pro probably Gene Siskel. He was usually the cooler of the two. Uh, I like Roger Ebert a lot as a critic, but man, he had some opinions that I just do not <laughs> comprehend. Well, Siskel well, like also, but Siskel could get kind of snobby too sometimes. Yeah, so. it goes both yeah. ways because Ebert was usually better about horror movies, in my opinion. Like he, like he, he generally liked trashier stuff a little more than Siskel, but uh, but they I know both that it's trashy. They, but. they both had it in for '80s horror movies in general, especially yeah. ones that were gory or anything like that. Um, but either way, I think I, I like. Roger Ebert, I like Gene Siskel, but they were wrong about a lot of stuff. Yeah. This was a movie that I think they were wrong about. Um, also, I will say, when Roger Ebert doesn't like a film, the stuff that, Joel, the stuff you were talking about, <laughs> one of the things I like about him is he's at least entertaining when he doesn't yeah. like it, so you get oh, like yeah. a, you know. Um, I'll, I'll but, give you that about Roger Ebert. Like I said, I like, I really like his stuff. He's a really good mm -hmm. critic. Well, he was, but mm -hmm. yeah, um, I generally would disagree with him, which is weird. I, it's It's so weird to have that Nowadays, well, I think people are more polarized and they don't usually like generally listen to people they like routinely disagree with. Yeah. Man, that's my relationship with Roger Ebert, though. Almost yeah. every word of his mouth, I'm like, shut up, fat man. And then I'm like, well, but actually. <laughs> well, well the, the, he's a great writer is one thing, yeah. though. It's like oh, I, yeah. I have like the book, I have the book from the 80s of all his reviews. And it's just it's it's just really fun to read. Yeah, he's that's a good great. writer. Yeah, I, th I think we I think what people don't realize too is like, I and mean, Adam can back this up, is just how important their shows were. They had more than one show actually over time. When you, yeah. when we were growing up, like th that was just, uh, and and I would often have the experience Joel's talking about where they would review a movie and they would not agree with my assessment of the movie and that would infuriate me <laughs> as a young man, you know, but they were always on. There were other critics, but I don't feel like any other critic reached as many people as they did at that time. Um, you know, there were a couple of others who kind of leaped to mind, but they were more scattered around on TV. I I'm talking Malton. 
Uh, yeah, Malton was one. Um, the guy with the uh, the bushy mustache. Gene Shallot, going yeah. back to our mustache discussion yeah. from yeah. earlier. But, um, <laughs> and so speaking of mustaches, this movie uh, opens up with one of the great mustaches <laughs> in film history. But, uh, but yeah, so, so uh, the one thing I wanted to say about the introduction from the IMBD is that the people themselves don't really open up the container. It's it say they say in the movie that it can only be opened from the inside, right? So that I think um, mm-hmm. is is not an accurate assessment. Um, yeah, no, that's totally but, true. But so I guess I guess to, to <clears throat> set the stage for the discussion, what I would say is this is a really unusual horror movie. It, it uh, you know we were talking before the podcast, and Joel had mentioned it has a lot in common with films like The Thing, which John Carpenter also made. But something about the way this film is paced is really odd, and something about the way it kind of sets the stage for all the stuff that's going to happen is. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's one of the scarier horror movies as a result of how it's made. Like uh, just as an example, when it first begins and we'll get into the music in a little bit, there's 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 dramatic music that kind of leads into things. But you're just getting glimpses of what's going on. The, pure, the If you don't like exposition, this is the movie for you, because mm-hmm. the start of the film, all of the exposition is obscured by distance and by things going on so that you you see people talking, but you don't actually know what they're saying to one another. And then by the time they do start to explain things, you don't have all the information. And I found that to work really well in this movie. Um, I, I was really impressed with the way it sets itself up. Uh, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a protagonist in a classic sense in this movie. So mm-hmm. it really plays as an ensemble piece. And yeah. you're right. It be, it begins in this diffuse way with all these kind of ominous hints and signs and strange happenings. And it slowly converges and coalesces into something like a stable plot. But even then there's still this, this dream like diffuseness about it. You know, you're never, you're never, you never really land on a protagonist that you, that carries that you emotionally through the movie in a human way. It really feels like you're just getting these little brief vignettes of things that are happening around this central event yeah and it, it makes the event seem tremendous yeah. in scope even though it's it's localized to one small building and just the surrounding area mm-hmm. it's, it's, and it's then, an impressive little piece i i liked it and those hints are all kind of moving towards something like you get the sense that everything is going towards something you don't know what and it just it just has this momentum that that worked for me well, yeah it's like, I, about I, someone, I, the, it's like learning about someone through rumor and never meeting them Yeah, I mean, the big criticism of this movie, for the most part, from what I remember, is it's like, oh, well, you know, you don't feel much for any of the characters, you don't get close to them, like the love story between those two characters, you don't really get involved in that, but I feel like the coldness of this movie is deliberate, it's like, yeah, yeah, there is just a distancing effect in this movie that I I think is intentional, so you're kind of missing the point if you're, uh, I I get it, It's, it's a legitimate criticism to an extent, but... It's not what he's going for. I, I can support that with uh, the example of Donald Pleasant's character, who whenever he's talking to people, even the um, even the Victor Wong character, who they have, they seem to have like the most screen time together. It's yeah. almost like he's not talking to him. He's just talking in his presence. It's like, there's a, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's there's not. A, yeah. there's, and, 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 and I think to what like towards what you're saying, it feels very deliberate. I mean, Donald Pleasant is a good enough actor to connect to somebody. And John Carpenter is a good enough director to have two characters look like they're talking to each other but it feels yes. like they're talking past each other 
in those moments in the movie. That's the, yeah, Donald Pleasance and Victor Wong are the two characters that really feel like characters in this movie, but that's because they're Donald Pleasance and they're Victor Wong. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. are, yeah, they're, they're, just, they're, they're icons. <laughs> so. What a delight for both of them to be in this film together. Their screen time, every moment of it, every every cell is golden. It's incredible. Um, yeah. Amazing actors at the top of their game, both in this wonderful little movie. Um and I, I like that they talk past each other a lot. I think it, it demonstrates the, even though they're friends and they connect on a human level, there's an irreconcilability yeah. between them. Yeah, because um, yeah, one is science and one is religion. And that's the central theme of the movie. So it really works. Um, it's, it's a very blatty kind of vibe, by the way. I was, I yeah, a lot of I like that about it. Of this. You know what it is? It's like, it, it's, it's, it's like a Lovecraftian story that takes the, the science and the religious things and takes them almost like, I don't know how to put it. Like it's, it, it removes the atheist element from that. If that makes sense. It's, 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 um, it's, yeah. It, it, so it kind of starts feeling like Blatty is a real, even though the revelation would horrify a writer like Blatty. It's not what, it's not the answer Blatty would provide us, but it's, well. Yeah, I, I think I think a fascinating thing about this movie is usually when you'd have a movie where you've got the two characters where one's the scientist and one's the priest, one of them, at like three quarters of the way through the movie, if not sooner, is going to be wrong. It's like, yeah. this was the yeah. guy who's right. It's like, nope, that both, neither of these guys are qualified to deal with this situation. This is just beyond yeah. any human system. It's uh, which well, is you know fantastic. what it is? It's like that thing where he says, I have a message for you and you're not going to like it. It's sort of like uh -huh. they were they were both kind of right, but they yeah. but but they were wrong in the worst. Like, I don't know quite how to put it, but like the truth was what both of them were pointing towards. But it was this horrifying thing that neither of them really wanted to know. Um, yes. And so. So. Oh, go ahead, Joel. It makes it seem like no matter what angle you approach this evil from it's still going to be horrible. You know, yeah. if you're a person yeah. of faith and you rely on that to, to carry you through life, you are as disarmed against this thing as a person of science and reason would be. You're, yeah, you're that's exactly what it is. It confirms, it's like, oh, you think God exists? Yes, God exists, but here's the horrible reality of what that means. And then for the scientists, oh yes, science is true, but here's the horrible reality. <laughs> so it's, 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 a, it's really well done. And I think, I, I think just again, to Adam's point, I think that coldness, even though obviously some of it is in the casting too, but that might've been deliberate. I think the coldness is sort of intentional. I don't think this movie works as well if the romance works. Do you know what I mean? Because there's yeah. something very well, disconcerting about their romance. If that, do you know what I mean? There's, there's yeah, like yeah, there is, there is something odd about it. It's because, yeah, I mean, obviously you could angle this movie where you make the ending far more tragic by amping up the romance. So, you know, you're really crushed when, the, when you get to the ending, well, the near ending, kind of the climax. But yeah, that's not what this movie's doing. It's not what this movie's about. It's not a love story. Uh, no. And I wouldn't even like I I'm hard I'm hard pressed to characterize their relationship as containing any love. It's weird. There's something mechanical about yeah. it. It's, it's yeah. not like it's not distant. It's just sort of functional, you know. Well, and they're, they're like it's not like they've got an existing relationship. It's like he's it's like oh he's kind of attracted to this woman he sees at the beginning of the movie. It's not like they really go anywhere. With yeah. It, when do they bond? You know, it's when just, they were having sex. They bond. Yeah, no, they, they literally <laughs> bond. Um, 
and and there's a scene where he's going to say something like he loves her or something like that and she is like you know don't and and then basically it becomes like you know the most um difficult relationship in the world do you know what I mean for reasons that are not fully explained <laughs> and so yeah. i think i don't think you're ever supposed to feel connected to that couple in that way i think it's supposed to be kind of a because in the end the, the revelation with her characters is a horrible one i think if they added a tragic element that might have taken away from the terror of it um yeah, yeah again the the horror takes center stage and the movie does a really good job of making it incomprehensible by disarming our natural ability to quantify and explain it no matter which direction we come from we find ourselves like i said disarmed before this horror and i really like that uh, mm -hmm. and i've never seen a movie quite do that before i i would say that this is maybe one of the scariest horror movies that it, that's been made and i would I, i'd put it up there with like nosferatu and like the really scary horror movies and i think a lot of that is because when people review horror movies they don't prioritize that a horror movie is supposed to be scary do you know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> yeah, that's I, not that's the so weird. Yeah, so many uh, classic critics are like, "This movie made me uncomfortable. I don't like it." It's like that's exactly <laughs> what it was trying to do, though. Yeah, or yeah. like, but I need the relationship to. No, you don't need the relationship to. You need to be scared, right? So, like, I, I mean, the the and the and the work and a and a chemistry between actors in a horror movie can work. It's just that it's not it's not the it's not the essence of a horror movie. And so, and and again, I mean. They're oh, both such, I think that it did work and that they're both career minded people who have other priorities, but there was enough that they could, you know, they could make something functional, but that's what it was. It was functional. It wasn't like a deep and profound thing. It was yeah. very real in that regard. Well, also, this is a low budget. He's kind of intentionally doing a low budget horror movie and the low budgetness of a horror movie adds to the the terror of it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, there's, there's something about when mm -hmm. the acting is a little wooden and when everything is a little bit shoddy. It feels a little more gritty and scary than when it's like super glossy and the characters well, are really acting. And, and do you know what I mean? It just, it, 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 it lands differently. So it, it does. I, it feels more real in that regard because yeah. people, people are wooden, Yeah, you know, people are a little awkward in real life and it, yeah. it makes them breathe a little bit more in your mind. So when they're in peril, it feels like a real person who's in danger. And, and 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 I would add that like when you look at the exchanges between the characters, a lot of them have these like really awkward exchanges that don't land with each other. Like the whole yeah, thing like, where he says like I'm a certified sexist, and then the other thing with um I forget the character's <laughs> name, but he's flirting with the girl. You know what I mean? And he's, and he's like using yeah, yeah, slurs. And like, and, yeah, you, and, could, and, you could pass for start over. Just, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Fight me, loser. I, I've had that guy was my hero in this movie. If you have to choose a guy that I, I personally identified with, it was the the like Asian scientist who was terrible at hitting on people. Like, yeah, it was, he, who, like well, he was one of the breakthrough characters in the movie. I thought amazing guy. Um, he he his character really worked, and he also it was funny because normally like in horror movies, it's a thing to have the racist guy say the racist things, but it was interesting having them have an Asian guy be the racist. Like he wasn't racist, but he was saying the racist things that usually they have like the, like the, like the redneck racist character. Yeah, they had like two or three dudes yeah. who could legitimately have been the slob in this yeah. movie. Right. And yeah. none of them did any of that stuff. They were just straight mm -hmm. up dudes. They did their job. They're pretty professional, you know, so one of that one guy who did the little mouth music was charismatic and fun to be around. He lit up when it came around and like, no, nah, it was the little nerdy Asian guy who's like, Hey, racism. That's a really good pickup well, line. 
what made what made it interesting is you're sort of like wondering why is this guy using this kind of racial humor? It gives his character like a diff, you sort of become curious about him, and it, it I don't know I just thought it worked for the character. Kind of I, I love it gave him guy. a little bit so, of a definition. Um, not that I remember it, anyone's name in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the characters' names all that. Walter well, Fong was his name. Okay. I believe you, but I don't remember anyone saying the name Walter. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I just got just the, got it on the screen in front of me. The other, the other, the other actor who kind of stood out. I don't remember his name either, but like the one of the lead scientists, the guy who was making the trumpet noises, who was kind of kind of looked like Meatloaf. That guy um, was great, and he did yeah. look like Meatloaf. Now that you say yeah. something, about I, I looked it, it up. I was like, this looks like Meatloaf. Is this Meatloaf? And it, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, I I, I thought that. I just thought that was an interesting choice with that character. But but the thing, the point I was making was he has all of these exchanges with the women that don't land. The other guy has a lot of weird exchanges. There's a lot of characters that have these interactions where they just don't quite line up with one another. And yeah. so I, I, you know, it's That's just really a, cool. um, but uh, the, the boldness of a script to do that too. It's so, so commonly that has to mean something on an emotional journey somewhere in the structure of a script. Here, it just feels like you're really seeing a bunch of scientists who don't know each other super well and are awkwardly working together and in, 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 under duress. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it reminded me of the thing where it's a bunch of bored, miserable people who have gotten used to being alone <laughs> together. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people, I, I like when I looked online, I did notice there were complaints about... Um, the like that the movie had these speeches that the characters would give or whatever but i thought all of the, those elements where they explain the ideas of the movie to be very interesting because it's mm -hmm. a very interesting idea the like just the premise of this movie is uh it kind of reminds me a little bit of childhood's end by arthur c Clarke. Yeah. um it's obviously also kind of has a lovecraft element to it as well and and like joel says it's definitely you can see elements of the thing um but but I, I don't know. I, I found the, the the sort of strange blend of horror and science and the way it does it, uh, or sorry, religion and science and the way it does it to just really work. And also just that uh, I don't know the the idea of how th this evil, this great evil, is sort of encased in this green goo and is going exists in a mirror universe of some kind and is going to create a. Uh, I, I don't quite know exactly what's going on. That's one of the interesting things about the movie. But basically, that green goo is producing life forms that are going to somehow create the apocalypse. Uh, My impression, and this is, you know, what I got from watching, I don't know if this is accurate, but it, it feels almost like an antichrist situation. The green goo infects the woman who becomes effectively the Antichrist, who's going to bring the devil into the world. No, I think that's accurate, because she's got some yeah. mark on her arm and everything. Yeah, so I think that's, that's what I'm saying. What that I is. think that's, that's, but, that was my take, is that, you know, it's like, that's that's the process that's going on. And so, well, because they it, say it's the son of Satan, right? Like the son of Satan, or the son of the anti-god. Yeah, and, it, and so that's, that's kind of what ends up short-circuiting everything at the end, but... Yeah, I, I got. I, before I get into that, though, I, I just the imagery in this movie. I mean, you talk about it being a low budget movie, but which it is. But my God, the imagery and effects in this movie are good. Everything yeah. is fantastic. I mean, just little things like you know the way 
the way the container drips upwards and it's filling the ceiling. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's an upside down camera. I get I get how, you know how it's back that is. Yeah. But it just works that, so well. No, knowing how it works almost makes it better, I find. Like because yeah. you, you um, and, and that's the, that's the way that the dream, the dream was just they shot the dream scene on videotape and then just filmed the TV screen yeah. on film. And that's how they just get that effect. And it's like, wow, that's that's nothing. But it just gives it this unearthly it feel. It, yeah, it does. That, it stands out in the movie really nicely. The yeah. Green, the green was another complaint I saw, which I don't get, because hmm. my my interpretation of the green has always been that. And I don't know if this is true. It's like a narrative I built up in my head that he must have seen Ghostbusters. And he was like, okay, <laughs> this is silly. I'm going to make green slime scary. scary. That's, sort of, that's sort of, you know, how I imagine yeah. this film coming to be. Um, yeah. And I kind of like that because I like Ghostbusters, but it also does embody this really goofy type of horror that, that took hold in the 80s. And yeah. this is the opposite of that. This is like a genuinely scary horror movie. And so well, the, if you I'd say it's Ghostbusters... Way. If you did the Ghostbusters seriously, it's this movie. Well, like the thing is, I was, was going to say, the thing about Ghostbusters, I wouldn't say Ghostbusters is the opposite, because Ghostbusters actually has a lot of serious parasite. It's a comedy, hmm. but the, the underlying, as you say, you could do it seriously. Everything, and that was something, you know, when they remade Ghostbusters, I was like, this won't be good from the standpoint that that that, uh, that uh, Dan... Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was a serious parapsychology nerd. And yeah. it shows in that movie. He get I you know, when I was a kid, I would read all these ridiculous 1970s parapsychology supernatural books. So when I saw Ghostbusters, I was just blown away. I'm like, wow, this is someone who actually cares about all this stuff. So it's like I, I you know, I mean, it is a comedy, but I, I feel like it does take the subject matter seriously to agree, which is why it lines up with this movie. It's very yeah, and, totally different. But and I wasn't I wasn't knocking Ghostbusters. I was just oh saying, I didn't think you were goofy. knocking it. But, yeah, it, yeah. It's goofier type of horror movie. And I think that he's going in the other direction saying, okay, I'm gonna like you because and also the green slime in Ghostbusters is maybe the goofier element of the film, right? So like you have yeah. all this very serious parapsychology stuff. And the green slime comes from like ectoplasm. It's a re, you know I know why it's there, but yeah. The way that it gets handled in Ghostbusters is often where the comedy is, like when Bill Murray gets a pie in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's the ghost version of that. So he says, "I'm going to take that. I'm going to turn." And I know, I know, I don't. I'm not saying he actually said this. I'm just saying in my head, I'm imagining (laughs) you saying, "I'm going to put Satan into that green slime and make it really scary." Yeah. Um, And so it's just, it's just why I think the green works. I think the green is actually it's number one. It's a striking visual element, but it's also in this case. It, it's it functions as a very scary presence. Um, well, and all so, the imagery of people like vomiting it out or having it shot yeah. into their faces yeah. is so invasive and grotesque. It's and it's a recurring theme in the movie. It's it's very it's almost brutal just how just gross it is. Uh, and there's that one scene I, I was pointing this out to you guys over the Discord before we got on here where there's just these oceans of it boiling into the, the one lady's face yeah. in one scene. What a what a cryptic and haunting image that was. It really is very nightmarish to look at that that particular yeah. frame. So yeah, that's sort of stuff. Also, <laughs> we should mention Alice Cooper is in this movie as, yeah. a, as a homeless guy who gets uh, 
mesmerized, I guess, by... So they couldn't have by, meatloaf. You can't have meatloaf and Alice I, I think Cooper. Alice Cooper is the, a better choice. Yeah, yeah. I never see them in the same place at the same time. Coincidence? <laughs> but but I, I don't know. I enjoyed Alice Cooper's presence, even though, you know, there wasn't... He wasn't, like, acting, acting. He was kind of killing people and looking looking off in the distance. Yeah, um, it was a silent role in a non-silent film, which she yeah. had to appreciate. Yeah. I I I I I thought that was that was a good element in the movie. Well, um, you know what's weird though? I've seen Alice Cooper act because he's in Wayne's he World. And he was yeah. great. He like acts, they could have had him deliver lines. Just well, he fine. played himself. He played himself in Wayne's World, but he's been in like Jesus Christ Superstar and stuff like that. So he's actually, very yeah. urbane and intelligent person. Well, yeah. his 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 whole shtick was very dramatic and you know all about you know the stage production and everything so i i i, I think it, and, and also my understanding is he likes horror movies i that seems to be pretty evident from his um from a, you know well yeah uh you know i mean yeah yeah he has well i won't get into it but yeah he, he has songs that are just very no, only I, a horror movie you, you, give you a trivia point too that thing that he he kills the guy with that impales him is a prop from his own show okay That's oh, that a great. stage show prop of alice cooper so he he brought his own murder weapon to the uh to the movie so he, you he guys need to kill board. someone i already got the prop <laughs> well, he's like he used to behead himself on stage with a guillotine he almost died because apparently there was a the the thing kept i don't remember what the actual malfunction was but there was a point where he almost got beheaded by yeah. his his stage guillotine so that would have been the uh, most metal of all timelines but yeah like that's the one thing you do to uh, finally upstage ozzy osborne with the bat thing oh you got a you got <laughs> bat beheaded huh well, check this out <laughs> well he, and he was yeah uh but uh I don't know. I, I think um, I thought I think he was a nice addition to the to the movie. Just to, you know, even especially in the role they chose, it wasn't like he was in there with them. He was a sort of threat from the outside, so it worked. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, the fundamentalists must have eaten that up. It's like, see, see, he is the spawn of the well, devil. But he's a born again Christian, Alice Cooper. So it's even more funny when that sort of stuff happens. God, that's um, hilarious. You couldn't write better. Comedy. And he's like a really devout born again Christian too. So it's like, uh, you know. Um, so yeah, one quote that I really liked in this movie, again, just going back to like, you know, when people didn't like it explaining itself, there was this line that Victor Wong gives that says, you know, our logic collapses on the subatomic level into ghosts and shadows. I just thought that really set up what you needed to buy into for the movie to be scary from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it did a good job of bridging sort of the the spiritual side of it that's scary and also making the scientific side of it scary because it's sort of like saying, oh, no, yeah, yeah, science is real. But when you examine science under a microscope, there's all this weird stuff going on that should unnerve you. And well, yeah, now we're going to have a, a hard... paraphrase of uh, Einstein, who I think described uh, quantum phenomena as, as very spooky, I think is the term he used. Mm. You know, like it's that's a real thing. It is weird and spooky. It's it's a kind of science that is it it diverges from our intuition so so abruptly and completely. Yeah. So I, yeah, I I think that was a really great way to sort of set up the uh, just getting you in the right mindset for the film. You know, um, I know we want to talk about the music too. Um, oh yeah. Because you know, the, again, this I think John Carpenter wrote the music, right? Was that? He did. Of course, yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. Almost every John Carpenter movie yeah. has. 
Uh, it's weird because I, I know in interviews he talks about how like he just does not care about the soundtrack and think he's a bit like wallpaper. But every movie he has has the most amazingly memorable and appropriate scores. So like I don't know if that's true, John. I think you might well, inadvertently be a genius. I mean, it's it's to an extent that he understands its background. It's like sometimes soundtracks can get in the way or be yeah. like overly emotional and tell the story. It's like this. He knows how to do a soundtrack that just sits there in the background and does just creates this mood. And yes. uh, yeah, I, I hadn't seen this movie since the early 90s, but as soon as I turned it on, just boom, that soundtrack started at the very beginning of the movie. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember how much I love this movie. It, uh, it uh, yeah, it's it, it is one of it. It's not it's not something I'd probably like put on and just listen to. You know, as as music, yeah. Same same with like the Halloween soundtrack, which is another iconic one. I don't sit around listening to it, but my God, in the movie, uh, that, that's one I will sit around and listen to. Halloween, okay. is like, it's got enough of like, what is it? Um, I don't know, just that that repeating melody just kind of really works for me. Yeah, oh, Halloween good. works. Hall, Halloween, the, Hall, the Halloween soundtrack reminds me of the tubular bells from The Exorcist. Yeah. Like they've yeah. kind of got that same DNA running through. It's on. like an ostinato type thing where they're just yeah, like, yeah. The things going over and over again. But this one. This one, I think it doesn't need, you know, I think the, I think to both of you are saying John Carpenter is not trying to impress anybody with his music. And I think that is an advantage here because he, he isn't sitting here saying I have to come up with the most memorable melody. It has to be a clever, he just needs something that works to achieve what he wants in the film. And that, that the music definitely does that. The thumping of it almost reminds me of um, that Enya song that the Fugees uh, sampled that was also in Sleepwalkers. Um, you've heard it, even if you don't I, I know. I, yeah, we, we reviewed Sleepwalkers, so yeah. I know I've heard. I just can't can't remember uh, it. I'm sure Joel will remember it because he, he you know, he, uh, he and I had that big debate about Sleepwalkers. So I'm sure it'll be. I had girlfriends in the early '90s, so I've heard a fair amount of Enya too. But, but the, I, you know what's funny yeah. is it's one of her songs that I think for her was kind of a throwaway song, and other people started att- like start started using it for different things you know mm. so like like that the fujis is the big one that i remember using it and fujis and sleepwalkers um but it just kind of has this weird stumbling thump in the beginning and, and i thought that worked um also another thing i'll say about this movie i like the way they made ants creepy i thought yeah. the way they used ants and ants, again it was just all very basic horror techniques but it really worked and it was all really well placed um, I think I think that's one of the things that really makes the film such a good movie. Is he's what are you laughing about, Joel? Uh, I, I just snuck out and snuck back in. I got, got myself I, to eat. But yeah, I just I just pulled up the Enya track and, and listened to that real quick. And yeah, I, I do remember that one. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. I know what um, you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, Enya. So, but it it, it kind of has a sound, not the actual melody, but the thump. There's like this bass that starts at the beginning of the song, and that's what it yeah. reminds me of. Yeah. But I, I oh, go and ahead. The soundtrack has like this kind of bass guitar energy where it knows that it's supporting the rest of what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Well, so yeah. does the Halloween soundtrack. Where I I think again, mm-hmm. you know what's funny? Bass players often make really good songwriters like you look at like a band like iron maiden or any number of bands where the bass right the bass bassist is the primary songwriter and i think it's because they understand fundamental structure of the song in a way that a guitar player doesn't necessarily think of um and so i I, again i think just you know in terms of his music i think uh that that 
that way that he that he that he approaches the music is uh it's not from like oh i'm the star of the show i need to shine it's you know he's just trying to make it serve its function um but yeah so so i don't know is there anything else that we need to talk about here i can't remember if we skipped I'm, over anything I'm i guess the end well, with the yeah, we should we should discuss the ending. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we get to the ending, uh, I'll just say, uh, you know, this will lead into the ending. But when the woman transforms into that kind of rotten corpse form, uh, and one, the makeup on that was amazing. It was just, you know, now they probably just make her a CGI character and it would suck. But it's just so tactile and her performance when she's up, just her grin and kind of yeah. and what she's doing. That ah, oh, it's just terrifying. Such a terrifying character. I, I, I honestly, I they, agree. There weren't a ton of special effects in this. Like this isn't like an effects movie, like the thing was. But the no. ones that were there were so effective. Like yeah. when the one guy uh, delivers that super hardcore heavy metal line, where it's like, "I have a message you won't like. Pray for death." He oh. collapses into bugs, and like it's it's segmented. So like his his leg goes first. Then his head, then his torso flops over. His hand like, falls off. You know, <laughs> you know what it's like? <laughs> it's like the difference between Kubrick doing 2001 and Kubrick doing A Clockwork Orange. It's yeah. like a, it's like going like like the effects are the effects are just all much more ground level and they're not super expensive. It doesn't seem, but they all work really well and they're done in a in a way that just maximizes the scares do you know what i mean so yeah um yeah restrained yeah, I, restrained but very solid yeah restrained is a good word i, I love that the scene where he's, he says i have a message for you that like the one that you just mentioned that <laughs> that really that really works and also they've been foreshadowing those bugs up leading up to that point so it's, it's not like they come out of nowhere like they might i think in a less skilled director's hands the bugs would just kind of show up to be a scare for that moment, but he's been planting that seed of those bugs and insects. So yeah, that they, they've been has... squirming through the whole movie. Yeah, um, and also here's a wonderful thing about this film: a lot of modern films have to explain every single yes. thing that happens. Yeah. Nothing gets explained in this film, and it's wonderful. <laughs> They're like, "Why are there bugs everywhere? Why are the homeless being controlled by Satan? Like, why, why this? Why that? I don't know. It's an unimaginable cosmic evil. Deal with it." Yeah, yeah, no, so, definitely. It almost makes you want to go and read like Revelations and see if you can find like <laughs> you know, you know, a trail of clues in there. It's, it, I, I, I like that about it. I, I think that um, it's a weird movie because. Sometimes when movies don't explain themselves, you're like, well, is there even anything there? And mm -hmm. this movie, I don't know if he's thought of all the explanations, but I think he's at least thought of all the right questions to kind mm -hmm. of make the audience ask about the movie. So you don't have clarity, but you have to keep sort of asking the questions about what's going on and what you just saw, what happened. And it, it, it makes it, it, it adds to that unnerving feeling the whole movie has. Well, it does. And it, it kind of has the same emotional resonance as actually reading Revelations, where you'll read Revelations and the, the language they're using is something you comprehend the words, but the ideas they're putting forth are so weird and, yeah. and strange. They're both like, because it's not clear how much are, how much of them are metaphor, how much are concrete. Like, it's not, it, Revelations doesn't care to explain itself to you. You know, it's it's just this mystical vision of the end of the world. And that's the vibe that this whole movie has. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason critics don't like it, 
is that a lot of critics want to be smart and explain the movie to you. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, when there's a movie, it's like if they don't understand it, it's it's it, that's that that's an affront to them. Yeah, so. you'd have to be blind not to see the convergence of the theming and the things you see happen, no matter how mysterious and weird they are, though. Yeah, you know the the very the opening parts of this movie are all like it's kind of like Revelations, right? Sort of like yeah. that, guys. Might be kind of hard to understand, but like it's got all that religious symbolism. The end of the movie is the devil's claw coming out of a mirror. Like, and that shouldn't <laughs> be a surprise to anyone that that's no, going to happen. Not. But it's it's kind of and it's one of these great tricks where you know you know it's coming. They tell you that it's coming, but when it does, you're like, really? That's it's actually. It's actually a devil's claw. But then at the same moment, you're like, but what does that mean in this world? Because things are slightly askew here. They're not the mythology that we've been trained to believe in. So, you know, it's a deviation from that mythology. So you don't, again, that's why I point to Childhood End. You don't necessarily know what that devil's hand means. Um, yeah. For all you know, that's the hand of Christ in this movie. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's the movie does this great job of planting these little seeds of doubt where by the end you're like, wait a second, was he supposed to put the 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 axe through the, the mirror or was that the wrong thing to do? And, you know, sh should he have it's... instead relied on his faith or was, you know, like you don't know. And and then you get even more confused by the time the movie ends because you're like, I, 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 I think it was a, a, an ending where the bad things all happen, but I don't know for sure. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, that's the thing. The priest, even though the priest is the one that saves the day as much as anyone does, to, he doesn't do it with anything. With it's just he just throws an axe at him here and breaks uh -huh. it. But I love just to bring up that moment too. Yeah. What one of the chilling parts in this movie is when the girl pushes the pushes the you know the the the, the demon or whatever into the mirror, and they both go in there. Just the way she turns around and reaches back for a moment as the mirror breaks. Just just that little gesture there is terrifying. It yeah. Just, that, that, oh. Well, also, that makes you wonder when he says, I, because doesn't he say that I saved everybody, the priest? Doesn't he yeah. say yeah. that? Yeah. It makes you wonder if that's accurate. About it. You know, he's got his own, he's getting wheeled away and he's like ranting about it. And he's got his own idea of how it happened, but it's so yeah. clearly a rationalization, like a yeah. post hoc restructuring of events. So it makes sense with what he already knows, but yeah. the movie keeps going and it reveals that no, no, you still don't understand it, dude. You just gone a kind of crazy that insulates you from it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because like Adam was saying that, that gesture where she turns around, it, it, maybe she wasn't supposed to go into the mirror. Maybe that was actually... A, more of a problem it's you just don't understand what is actually happening and what it all means so yeah. it, it makes you very uncomfortable um and and you and you you never you and, and i think even with that dichotomy between science and religion you're never really sure which one you're supposed to put your you know your faith yeah, where in. you put your chips that yeah. roulette wheel still spin them when the movie closes yeah, yeah. So it's 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 really effective that way because 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 on the one hand it says Jesus is an alien on the other hand they do say <laughs> yeah. they do say no there is like an anti God and so that's like that's not an alien that's like something like God right so that that also implies that there's a God that there's an anti God mm -hmm. uh, and so it just it just it just makes you really wonder like okay did they just totally fuck things up or <laughs> so. Uh, 
But yeah, and, and again, to, to the point that Joel was making earlier, I think one of the reasons why this movie is so good is because, like you were saying, it's like the last 20 minutes is when they kind of turn the ship around. And up until that point, it just seems like they're all doomed and they're all dying and they're all, it's all going to go. And it's this uh, sense honestly, of, I. I, I thought they were toasts. I thought this was just going to be a, a death spiral kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was convinced. I mean, I liked that. I thought that they, um, it's kind of like Return of the Living Dead, where the threat is just so overwhelming and powerful. The heroes don't, it doesn't seem like they have any hope of, of surviving. And you kind of, res, just when you're resigning yourself to their <laughs> doom, things kind of turn around. But then you don't know if that maybe, maybe, what was supposed to happen is they were supposed to die. Do you know what I mean? And also the other thing is they talk about this mirror universe. We don't necessarily know which is the mirror universe and which isn't. Do you know what I mean? Like right. what if we're living in the simulacra? Yeah. Right? Maybe, maybe, never... maybe that message was to get us to go through the mirror. Do you know what I mean? Like huh. you don't, you don't know. And, and so yeah, like we, that's the thing. It's totally reasonable. And I love this about the movie that you could read it as you're supposed to go through the mirror because your reality is collapsing. Mm. Get out. That yeah. would be a fine message. And maybe her reaching back was her trying to draw people in with her. Like, oh, wait, no, <laughs> you're all wrong. Don't close the crack. Crack. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a, I, I think, I think, but like to what you were saying, the fact that it doesn't answer the questions is the smart move. And I agree. That's oh, yeah. probably why the critics often didn't like it because they kind of want the smart answer about it. And I think I think it feels like a smart ass filmmaker to them, not giving them answers. You know, ambiguity is one of the best things you can put into horror. Period. You know, ambiguity keeps you talking about it and thinking about it long after the credits roll. Yeah. You know, and and like you can misuse ambiguity or you can misuse anything, but this was a fantastic use of ambiguity, and it kept the whole the it kept the subject obscured and horrifying while being concrete enough that it had consequences um, that that connected and resonated with us as an audience. Yeah. It's, it's a great piece of filmmaking. And the and central it, theme of the movie, it fits with the center. I mean, the whole thing, like ambiguity and doubt just like runs mm -hmm. through the whole film, you know, d down to like Donald Pleasance, his performance is like the embodiment of doubt. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's, it's, uh, it's very well, interesting. Notice, he, he didn't reach out to like other people in the church. He was like, I need the smartest scientist on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, his very exactly. first act is doubting it as deeply and profoundly and, and completely as he can. And he's like the opposite of a normal movie priest. Do you know what I mean? Like, like he, <laughs> he, he's not, we're not, at first you think he's just terrified and that's why he's acting that way. But then there's a moment where he actually is like cowardly and just retreats from the threat and leaves other people presumably to be, you know, killed. Yeah, hideous, or, you know, hideously he, possessed yeah. and destroyed, yeah. Yeah, and. and right for and, death. And, and so it, it, you get, so he kind of becomes almost more like by the time he's saying I saved everybody, he's kind of this <laughs> sniveling figure in the film too. Um, well, even that was an act of cowardice, you know, saving himself yeah. from the fate of the heroic woman who charged in there to prevent the Prince of Darkness coming through, you know, like he didn't save everyone. She did. And he just closed the door so she couldn't be saved and they didn't have to deal with the threat anymore. And it's not like, is that all it took? There's all like all this stuff they went through to keep this ancient evil sealed, and he broke one mirror, and oh, it's fine now. I, mm -hmm. I don't buy it, you know. And neither does the movie, because the movie's like, oh, hey, there was a causality error, but this is still the inevitable end of things. The the oh. other the, the other thing I kind of like about the movie is that the um the I forget the main guy's name, the guy with the mustache, but the thing 
that presumably might allow whatever's on that other side to come through is the is him touching the mirror or whatever and maybe somehow facilitating reopening or whatever i like that love is the thing that is maybe motivating yeah. him to do that yeah. that's what i thought i thought like is it because he has a connection to the girl who's on the other side of the mirror is that what allows him to do it which is yeah. love, love destroys the universe basically yeah so. sounds like something love would do yeah yeah. Well, it's just it's just a night because if it's the Antichrist, it's a nice inversion of sort of, you know, it's just like a, it just works in terms of like love being the worst possible thing <laughs> in this situation. Um, yeah. Well, in that case, too, it also comes up to the. The superficial nature of their relationship, too, as you say, it's like, well, you know, they just kind of mad. It's a weird situation. Mm-hmm. They have sex, whatever. But it's like it it, it isn't. I don't know. I mean, it's not love on a truly high sense anyway. It's uh, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> no, I know. I get you. And also there's this like really there's this loose thread hanging when he says, who was it that made you hate men so much? Do you remember that when he's trying to say I love you to her? In the yeah. Bit? And then so that you're like, well, is that connected to all the stuff that's going on in any way? Do you know what I mean? like you sort of and you don't again, you don't know. But like, is it is it like maybe when he says, who is it? Maybe it's like a bigger figure, like God or something, something that connects That's, to the. There is, there is an interesting element that you have, like when the, the, the woman kind of who becomes the antichrist figure, when she's getting transformed, it's the, the women are guarding her. She's a woman. There is kind of a interesting, I don't, I don't know what we're. No, you're right. With it, you're, you're right about that. It is, so, it, there, there is definitely something going on along those lines in the movie but not, I, I can't fully understand it but on an emotional sense it's interesting yeah i, 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 oh, I like that phrase i can't fully understand it but i'm interested that kind mm-hmm. of sums up this movie i i don't want you yes. to use your poor brain to interact with this movie you really should experience this as the sort of primal gut punch that it is this yes. this speaks to the the Jungian shadow that exists in all of us and i really yep. appreciate that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, I'm getting some echo there. Um, just, just leave you speechless. Every time I open my mouth, you're like, uh, anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. no actually, what happened? Podcast, what happened was um, earlier, my wife had called me, and I just got a text that was uh, sent from her. So I, I just was looking at it because, you know. Um, so that was that was me not being a responsible host of the show. And you're <laughs> you're praising my comment. I couldn't like praise your comment, praising my comment. So you know, I was I was at an impasse there. <laughs> Circle phrase. But uh, but yeah, I know. Is there any any? Uh, so I guess have we were going to discuss the ending? Have we discussed the ending, or is that are we just circling around think, talking about? I think the we were, but if you've got more to say about the ending, I'm okay with that. I, I like that we don't see him touch the mirror. I, I don't know if maybe that's just yeah. more that that mm. might be an overuse of ambiguity. I, I like I that might be a missed note when I'm really thinking about it. Um, no, it was a brilliant I don't, I don't note. Think so. It was a brilliant note. I'll tell you why. Because in a normal horror movie, he would have touched the mirror. There would have been a shocking sound. And something briefly would have happened that was terrifying. But they already got that moment when he turned over in bed and saw the other girl with the disfigured skin and everything and the mark of the devil there. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that you don't know what actually happens is the point. Like you, all you know is that he's reaching for the mirror and you have to fill in everything else with your imagination. And your imagination goes wild as soon as things well, 
we we also have the element too that the dream that keeps repeating when we do see further into the dream it's her coming out yeah so it's so you know we we kind of have some gaps filled there's a huge gap there but we do have something beyond this point no we do and that's that's the part is like what does that mean yeah she is that you know yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's fascinating. But yeah, you can't clearly determine what that is. And also, I think throughout the movie, they're assuming that this message is sent by people that are trying to help them. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the case. It could be sent by a malicious force. Yeah. Um, you know, so or it could be sent by someone who's powerless to help them. <laughs> you know, that's maybe true. their attempts to help them are doomed. Yeah. All we know is it involves tachyons. That's all we're told. Which Good is old tachyons. It's all we need. Tachyons solve everything. Yeah. I also liked the level of science that was in this movie. It wasn't an overabundance. It wasn't an underabundance. It was like the right exact amount yeah. that you understood it. It was, was founded that? on actual scientific principles. Like not yeah. so much that it was boring, but like this is like actually looking at like what what are the limits of our scientific knowledge and saying okay. Past that boundary, that's where the devil is. I like but he put, I, what I mean is he put it into um, easy to understand language so sure. that it wasn't like, like uh, and, and I agree with you. I feel like he was probably very passionate about the topics and he was, you know, had a, had an understanding of them that the viewer doesn't necessarily have to have to yeah. appreciate what he's doing. And that's so, always nice. Yeah. I, 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 yeah oh, I, I like that scene that you were talking about earlier where uh, the brilliant scientist is is using that very, like, that very lowbrow language to be like, okay, uh, there's mystery somewhere. Yeah, the reality is very boring. Of course, when you talk about like quantum <laughs> mechanics and all that stuff, it's all very mathematical and technical. Uh, but the way he characterized it was like it's a realm of mystery. Yeah, not so much that it was hammy, but enough that it got across just how vast of a gulf there is between what we can know currently and what's unknown, and how peculiar it is. And it is very peculiar. Well. And I feel like it holds up in the age of YouTube because it's the sort of stuff if you watch science channels on YouTube at all, you encounter those things explained in great more complexity. Yes. But it can be distilled into things break down at the subatomic level. You know, like like I know what a subatomic particle is. Okay, I I, I follow you. You know, <laughs> I, but I'm I, with you. Yeah, I don't I don't need the advanced equations, but I get the I get the basic principles that you're describing. And so I also yeah. like that they knew when we invented differential equations. A lot of yes. modern movie writers aren't smart enough to know that. Yes. Um, they're they're yeah. a very yes. modern mathematical invention. So I, like I was impressed with that too, as someone that had to study a lot of math in college. I was uh, like, did, oh, hey. you, you sons of bitches. Well, the other good thing about that, too, is that this was made in an age when, like, now it wouldn't be surprising if somebody put that in a script because they might look it up on Wikipedia yeah. or whatever. But back yeah. then, he had to be reading the right books in order to have that information in his head as a writer. And so it's always more impressive when that sort of thing mirrors well, up in a movie from that era. Yeah, I know he said that, you know, basically this this movie came to him because he was reading about physics. It's like that is reading about physics and he's like oh hey (laughs) i've got a horror movie idea yeah somebody was reading his newton yeah um post newton but uh but yeah no that that, and that was also a really good moment in the movie just in terms of horror because they're able to suddenly present that as a revelation that's supposed to be alarming and so Mm -hmm. you know it's sort of and and i think i think it's it's also you know, horror is built around this idea of what you assume to be the case isn't the case. And the world is actually much more scary or something is different than you thought it was. And so 
the way they did that in that scene just worked and it tied in with the rest of the ideas of the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think that, uh, the, the one thing I would say about this movie is that I think it's one of the scariest horror movies that's out there. Uh, it's not over the top violent compared to some movies. It's not, it's not like super intense in terms of jump scares. It has them, but it doesn't rely on them. It's just low grade, scary in a way that most horror movies struggle to be and so it's just atmospheric there's just i just love atmosphere atmosphere of this Mm. movie so much that's that's what makes it rewatchable too because it is just this vibe when it's when you Mm. put this movie on i'm I'm gonna have to acquire a physical copy of this one i Uh, I only i I rented it and honestly like it's got to be in the library it made the list yeah, I haven't seen it in years. So when I had the choice. It was like two ninety nine to rent or sixteen ninety five. Like oh, sixteen ninety five to buy is too much. Now I'm like, what? What was I thinking? That's not yeah. too much. But I, yeah, I, a physical I, copy. Me, I, I think this is a physical copy movie because it is out on Blu-ray. So people, oh, hell can... yeah, this would be amazing on Blu-ray, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I highly recommend Prince of Darkness, uh, a sleeper classic, uh, a cult classic, um, brilliant, atmospheric. Uh, immerses you in a nightmare realm and it kind of leaves you there even after the movie's over. Um, yeah. Really, really good horror. Yeah, so yeah, I think, I think, uh, and again, like we were saying, you can rent it on Amazon, I believe. You can... I, I read it on it. YouTube. Uh, you rent was, it. How much yeah, was, it was it on like, YouTube? I think it was, it was like, four bucks on YouTube. It was a little pricier. It's the same uh, price, I think, on Amazon, too. Yeah, it's, it's I, got, quality, I, though. I really, I, I got it on, uh, on, I, on, um, on Apple's thing, whatever it's called, but uh, I, but I, I was actually a pretty good picture. I, I, I believe you said the Amazon one was kind of dark no, or something. But no, no, no. The um, what I was saying was the movies on Shutter a lot. Like I watched Halloween. Oh, on Shutter, that's right. You said well, and not Shutter. just Shutter, but also okay. like some of the other channels on Prime, like the ones that you might subscribe to or have a temp subscription to. I yeah. tried to watch Halloween with Anoma over over the weekend. I think no, not over the week. During the week, I tried to watch it with her. And okay. I was annoyed the whole time because I'm like, why are people's voices really low in this scene? And I was like, why? Like, it, it looks clear, but the color looks a little bit muted for some reason. And I realized it was just like, a, you know, like a, a bad version of it. So I ended up renting it and then fast forwarding to the point we're at. And it was night and day. It was night okay. and day. And I've noticed that with a lot of the movies on Shutter and various platforms there. The one that I saw on Prime that I rented of Prince of Darkness, it looked fine, but I don't think it was as good as the one you guys saw. Because okay. I, I've seen versions of this on like YouTube and things where it looks really crisp and clear. And this looked good, but it didn't look that crisp and clear. So uh, I think I, if, if I have a warning to people, it's that Amazon really sucks at ensuring <laughs> that you get a good copy. I, yeah. I, it's not related to this genre, but when, when we were staying at my parents' house last year, I wanted my mom to see some old Kung Fu movie. I forget. I think it was the five deadly venoms. So I rented it on prime. I think yeah. since then they've corrected this problem, but the version that I saw was so shitty. It was like an insult that I even spent money on it. Um, the, so, the issue with with Amazon a lot of times too is because they have so many sub services that are within them. Like you know, it's like you're you're ne- a lot of times you are are getting them from one of their you know, like you said, you, you yeah. could be getting a movie from Shutter when you rent a movie on on well, Amazon. You may be getting a movie from from uh, you know from Stars or whatever. The thing is, I don't sure mind. 
I don't mind watching a bootleg, like crappy bootleg version of something that I bought at a crappy bootleg location. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I yeah, don't no, expect I Amazon to slip a bootleg in when I think I'm renting oh. the proper version of something. Amazon is what I think of when I think of people slipping in a, a, a cheap substitute. But that's yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they've <laughs> kind of become the Walmart of the internet. Uh, with apologies to Walmart. Um <laughs> Well, they, no, they got I, into grocery stores. They they bought Whole Foods, Jesus so they, they yeah. yeah. Um, uh, anyway, anyway, it, so, I this reminds me that I, I actually managed to get my hands on a, on a bootleg, not a bootleg copy, but like a pan scan old school copy of Eight Section Pole Fighter. Um, or I just got a, I just got the new new uh, sorry Arrow version of that. But go ahead, sorry. Oh, I just I, I just happened to watch it yesterday. Uh, it was great. <laughs> what was it, eight eight diagram pole fighter? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's called something else. I think that had it was one of those uh, Wuxia movies that would have got imported. Got like eight different translations that are all technically accurate of the name. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's called something else. But yeah, I, I was called eight diagram pole fighter. There's there's two Bruce Lee movies where the titles got swapped, and so if you watch them at a certain point in time, you would have the names reversed from what other people who watched them would. Th- so you know, so it's it's like I think it was like the Big Boss, and is that like Big Boss and Chinese Connection or Fist of Fury and Chinese Connection, and it created a lot of confusion, um, <laughs> like a lot of confusion. Pretty, pretty much par for the course. I, I'm a Street Fighter player, so like I know what name swapping can do for the the notoriety <laughs> of characters. <laughs> so. But I guess there we can probably end the discussion. Um, yeah, I think we've gone far afield now. And and I believe we are going to talk about. Were we going to talk about another John Carpenter movie, or were we planning another? Oh no, I, I it was Serpent in the Rainbow the, or something, right? Well, yeah, People Under the Stairs is the one I wanted to watch. So okay, okay. People Under the Stairs. I I love People Under the Stairs. I've seen since I was a kid. Which now that I'm thinking back on some of the things that I remember about that movie, again since I haven't watched it in so long, probably shouldn't have seen it when I was a kid. Um, but whatever. I, yeah, my I remember that being creepy. I remember renting that at the video store. Not renting. I watched it at the video store I worked at. That's when I saw also, it. Also, they have a lot of Twin Peaks actors in it, which I didn't recognize as a child. But I'm an adult who loves Twin Peaks now. So I'm like, oh, hey, I know those two. Yeah, well, I, I, I won't get the Twin Peaks well. references. But I do remember that being a very scary movie. I, I'm going to drag you through three seasons of Twin Peaks at some point. I'm, I'm, I'm so averse to like, TV shows that you know, I'm just not I'm not a good show watcher type person. Do you know what I mean? That's we like, should at least Adam had season that. one. Season one it was a mid season replacement, so it's like season one of Twin Peaks. We could commit to that, which is not much watching. And you can see if you want to watch. If, more. if people are going to make you watch Twin Peaks, I'm going to want to make Joel watch I Claudius for revenge. Like I feel oh, like I need that's, to get, I, I'm on I, board for I, that. I, that's I, that's, I, that's I, like I'm that's actually win kind of win for me. I'm, yeah, I'm I sort of kind of want to low key watch I Claudius though, because you always bring it up, and it actually sounds fantastic. It's You'll the best. It, it's the best. You will love it. TV series yeah. ever written, and it's yeah, one Amazon. of Patrick Stewart's best performances ever. Pat Stewart's uh, in it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Patrick Stewart. There's a lot of really good actors in that. So, in that I Claudius so next week. week. We're all set. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just going to call in sick for a solid week and do nothing but watch I Claudius. Kids, yeah. you can drive yourselves to school. I'm watching I Claudius. It's a British series. It's not a huge commitment. So, you know. All right. Uh, so, so, yeah, so. Coming, coming up a whole bunch of suffering on me and Brendan's parts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure Twin Peaks won't be that bad, but I just, uh, I just have a, I have difficulty with TV shows. Oh, I understand. That's what I'm saying. I think, I think rather than, than than try to sell him on the three seasons, we just say let's just do that little mini season one 
late spring replacement they did. And, and you know, if he gets into it, there'll be more. Sounds good to me. Okay. So, so, so I so, versus uh, Twin Peaks season one, but that's that's on the line. Uh, next people into the stairs, probably. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, no, sounds good to me. I, I haven't seen that in forever. I barely remember it. So I really want to see that. Yeah, I haven't I'm seen excited. that in maybe 25, no, more than 25 years. A long time. That's, I'm old. Unfortunately, that's about where I am with it, too. So I forget. When did it come you, out? What year did it come out? Uh, it was early 90s when it came out. I, was, I, I probably saw it like a year after it came out. Would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Same. I saw it on VHS. So Me too. Yeah. Um, I think that we may have watched this movie at the same time or really that's, close to the same time. So okay. that's weird. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, Fast is weird. If we could narrow it down to like the day and time, and if it were the same, that would be a very interesting. Discovery. One time, whenever our Venn diagram perfectly overlapped, it was the, it was the Brendan Joel eclipse, folks. People it's under like the stairs. The, it's like the time I googled the TV episode to figure out when I moved to America. I was like, "Hey, that's the day I showed up in America." I've done I've done that. I've done things like that. Um, all right, so we'll get going, and until next time, we will talk to you later.